fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienno. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about how the only way to defend yourself against the alien invasion is slow, methodical Qigong exercises with my friend Vienno. All right, sure. <laughs> how are you, Vienno? This is your very first episode of the podcast as the new uh, co-host. I'm... I mean, spring is happening, so, like, the sun exists again, so I feel like I'm not, like, dead and sad, which is something. <laughs> but, yeah, other than that, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm a bit tired today because uh, kids were a bit of a handful, but uh, that's pretty much every day since this pandemic started. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm glad you're vibing with the springness. Uh, I'm... It, we took a dip. We woke up to snow this morning. I, I can't wait till uh, till that's not a thing anymore, and I can just you know throw the kids outside or something like that. You know. I just refuse to look outside until around like noon or one p.m. and by then it's generally all gone. So <laughs> fair. Well, uh, we will introduce you more uh, closer to the end of the program. I did want to flag up front that this might be a longer episode, in part because. We're going to be talking about the Epoch Times. Now, I recorded an episode on this back in April, but it never was shown to people. Uh, or, well, people didn't hear it because I didn't release it. And it was done with Jeremy Apple, who does a, a podcast called Big Shiny Takes. So you could go check out uh, Jeremy's work. And uh, thanks again, Jeremy, for doing the show that I never released. But basically, it went really long and... I was struggling at that time because we had just, it, it was a month into the pandemic and the kids were driving me crazy and I didn't have the time to do a three hour long episode. Now, I don't think this is going to be three hours long, but uh, I did copy a bit of the research I did on the Falun Gong cult, cult which uh, is basically what's behind the Epoch Times. So we're going to get into that today, but we're also going to do our normal show. So it might go a bit longer, maybe not. We'll see how it goes. And, uh... Yeah, so I guess here comes the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on The Rebel from March 8th to March 12th. Kian is guest hosting on Monday to talk about the monarchy. Specifically, he is complaining about Meghan Markle and how she is manipulating her husband, Harry. Most of this segment was dripping with racism and misogyny. Go figure. But it ends with Kian saying, God save the queen in place of Ezra's keep fighting for freedom. And that wraps it up for us here on the Ezra Levant Show from our studio in Calgary. It's March 8th, and rather than ending it off as Ezra does by saying keep fighting for freedom, I'll simply say, God save the queen. When you scratch a freedom-loving conservative libertarian, you can almost guarantee there is a monarchist just below the surface. Or sometimes a fascist. Yeah. <laughs> David Menzies is guest hosting on Tuesday and wants to point out a contradiction between how Toronto police deal with anti-mask protests compared to other actions within the city. What is this? Are you guys kidding me? He is angry that anti-mask groups are treated better than what he calls pro-terror groups. He is mad that one of the main organizers of for BLM was given a citizen award for her activism, even though back in 2016 she tweeted, Please, Allah, 
give me the strength not to cuss slash kill these men and white folks out here today. Something she apologized for. But she shouldn't have, honestly. <laughs> Lastly, he is mad that police did not cr crack down on pro-Tamil rallies, uh, which he is quick to point out were flying the flag of the group, the Liberation Tigers of Tamil Ilam. Folks, your eyes are not deceiving you. The Tamil Tigers are recognized as a terrorist group in Canada, as well as more than 30 other nations. And here they were on Saturday, their supporters in Toronto, Canada, proudly flying a flag that displays a tiger's head next to a couple of automatic weapons and a halo of bullets. So let me get this straight. One can brandish the flag of a terrorist organization in Tourytown, but if you wave a Canadian flag, well... The LTTE is still designated as a terrorist group in Canada, although that de designation is controversial. The LTTE also has been defunct after their military surrender in 2009, although people still fly the flag in solidarity with Tom Liberation. However, regardless of how you feel about the LTTE, in the Canadian context, the anti-mask protests are a greater threat to Canadian safety than Tamil activists waving LTTE flags. Andrew Lawton is on to talk about how being anti-lockdown is the fastest way to being cancelled. And we have seen that um, politicians, and I think of people like uh, Randy Hillier, uh, Roman Baber, those who speak out against the Ontario policy regarding the lockdowns, well, suddenly cancel culture comes right up into their windshield, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's actually quite shameful. I mean, we've seen in the last several years a, a number of issues become political hot potatoes, where if you have the wrong opinion of them, it's a cancel cancelable offense. And he lists Randy Hillier and Roman Babar as examples of this cancel culture, even though Hillier was kicked out of the Progressive Conservative Caucus after he insulted the parents of autistic children back in 2019. Baber was in fact kicked out of the Progressive Conservative Caucus this past January for speaking out against the lockdowns. But frankly, if cancelling is a real phenomenon, not being able to caucus with the Progressive Conservatives probably isn't what most people would consider cancel culture. After all, Hillier and Baber are still MPPs. But I can't wait till Conservatives start complaining that being voted out of office is the ultimate form of cancel culture. Lawton complains that the first model offered by the federal government predicted that 100,000 people would die in Canada due to COVID. One of the big things that I, I've noticed in all of this is that whenever we've had predictions from, I'll say Ontario specifically, my and your province, they have been flat out wrong. And I don't just mean, you know, they might just have a bit of a rounding error, but flat out wrong, oftentimes a literal fraction of what was predicted. Remember the first modeling we heard said that we would have 100,000 deaths. We were supposed, and that was within the span of a few months from when that was made in, in uh, I think it was uh, April of 2020. We've been told that we could be up to 20,000 cases a day by now, and we're actually at uh, less than, or we're at about 1,000. What he is leaving out is that this number is if we did absolutely nothing. The best estimate, if we followed all of their pandemic recommendations, was 11,000 deaths. Since we did a hodgepodge approach, our numbers are twice as bad as the best case scenario, but are better than things would have been if we didn't do anything. Lawton also says there will be no return to normal, and he thinks our future will be a police state where people are prohibited from going anywhere without their vaccine passports. 
And for us to even imagine that there is going to be any such thing as the old normal, this is a 9-11 caliber event where all of these things that we once took for granted are reshaped and remade in the image of COVID, despite the fact that the threat will have, for the most part, passed. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Menzies is host again on Wednesday and is mad that he was solicited to donate to Doug Ford's Progressive Conservative Party on the third year anniversary of his premiership. Menzies is mad because Ford called the anti-maskers yahoos, and that is why he is not a man of the people, unlike his brother, the late Rob Ford. The most perverse irony here is that in three years, Doug Ford is way more Patrick Brown than he is, oh, I don't know, Rob Ford? Doug's late great brother was truly a man of the people. The question is, as Fred Willard used to always say, uh, what happened? The Menzoid then tells a story about when Doug Ford was a guest at a Rebel News event. According to David, Doug Ford pitched a Rebel show called Ford Nation that Menzies was going to host. Doug was a featured guest speaker at a Rebel Live event some four years ago. Doug personally pitched a weekly Rebel News show, Ford Nation. I was going to be the host, folks. But that was then, and this is now. That was back when Doug was Mr. Ford, not Premier Ford. I almost wish that was a show. <laughs> Mark Morano complains that the pandemic has seen the largest wealth transfer in all of history, which is true. But Moreno seems more upset that this wealth disparity means that governments will force a UBI on everyone. He doesn't explain why this would be bad, but he does say the, the Green New Deal is secretly communism. Is there maybe some evidence here, uh, Mark, that really the Green Movement is the Red Movement? What I, mean, what I mean by that is that these are really Marxists. They don't give a rodent's rectum about the climate, about the environment. This is all about the reset. This is all about um, communism, socialism. That's what's really driving the agenda here. Morano says people are fleeing California because of their green communism and high taxes. But there is no evidence that California is draining people faster than other states. In fact, even though California has a large number of people leaving the state, this is compensated by the numbers of people moving in, causing California's population to grow each year. Menzies speculates that people are leaving blue states generally, even though there is no evidence this is happening. And Moreno is worried they will turn red states blue. So even the hardcore progressive left, even though they mouth support for these policies, when it comes time to live under the insanity of a government-controlled lockdown, they're out of there. They go to the free states. The sad part is, David, they're going to corrupt the politics now of Florida and Texas. As more and more blue Democrat voters move to these states, they're going to start voting for more liberal policies and end up locking those states down in the future. So it's, you know, there's actually the whole movements of you're welcome to our state, but don't bring your politics with you. But that's unfortunately going to be a losing battle. But if they're leaving California because they don't like communism, why would they then bring communism to Texas? None of this makes any sense. Ezra admits that he was away due to legal issues for the last three shows, but only specifies that it relates to his time at Sun Media. Well, it's great to be back. Thank you to my friends, uh, Kean and David, for holding the fort while I was away. Um, I'll be back here for a while. I just had to go out to Edmonton for, believe it or not, an old legal matter hanging over from the Sun News Network seven years ago. So I was out of town for a few days. It's good to be back. And thanks for watching. Uh, until tomorrow. 
On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. Ezra is being sued for $200,000 by Farhan Shah, a university professor who was a candidate for the Liberals in 2014. During the election, Ezra claimed that Shock was involved in a nightclub shooting when he was 19, even though, as it turns out, he was found not guilty. Ezra didn't mention this, though. Ezra's defense is that he would have said he was found not guilty on the show if he had known about it, but also that the ratings were low that day, so it didn't really have an impact on uh, Shock's life. At one point during the hearing, Ezra apparently got heated after Shock's lawyer asked him about four other defamation cases that Ezra was involved in at his time uh, working for Sun Media. Ezra responded that those cases have nothing to do with this one. But I would argue that a history of saying defamatory things might be relevant for your current defamation case. Ezra has guest Calvin Robinson on to talk about the death of Sarah Everard. They don't mention a single thing about her death. Instead, they focus on a British politician who suggested a curfew for men in response to the murder. They argue that even though she was likely just trying to make a point, COVID lockdowns have shifted the Overton window such that a curfew for men wouldn't be seen as out of the ordinary. <laughs> I think you're right that uh, a year of conditioning uh, people in the UK that they can be locked in their homes turned it from an absurd jest. I don't, I, I'm with you. I don't think she actually truly meant it. I think she was speaking uh, poetically or dramatically or out of exasperation, but you lock down, essentially essentially have a curfew in a whole country for a year, all of a sudden the, the Overton window has shifted. It is not at all surprising that conservatives are way more concerned about the mere mention of a curfew for men rather than spending a single minute on the problem of sexual assault and domestic violence against women. And that is the week. NDP MP Alexandru Bouloris and Conservative MP Elaine Reyes are inquiring with Liberal Heritage Minister Stephen Gilbo about a wage subsidy that was paid to the Epoch, 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 I never remember what it is, but uh, Epoch Times. And the price tag for this wage subsidy was around $5,000 to $450,000. I've seen uh, estimates all over the place for how much they actually received, with most people landing on the higher end. But it's not clear to me how much they actually received. And, and the problem is that the reason why these MPs have complained to Gibo, the heritage minister, is that uh, the newspaper promotes hate and conspiracy theories. So this seems to be a bipartisan effort to uh, go after both uh, the Liberals for allowing the Epoch Times to receive this money, but then also go after the Epoch Times. Ezra decided to cover this story by focusing on the Conservative MP and claiming that Eric O'Toole's Conservative Party now wants to cancel the Epoch Times. Hello, my rebels. Today, I tell you a terrible story out of Quebec. I translate it from French to English. It's about Aaron O'Toole's MP out there, his heritage critic, as he's called, calling for a newspaper to be defunded, banned really, cancel culture, for being too conservative. And it's worth mentioning that the rebels' focus on cancel culture, so far, has mostly uh, been used to drive a wedge within the conservative movement itself by pointing out conservatives who aren't conservative enough, according to the rebel standard. Which is interesting because you would think that they would apply it across the board. I guess like the most broad they did was the, the Dr. Seuss stuff, but uh, 
they usually focus on uh, Eric O'Toole for somehow engaging in cancel culture for whatever reason. I wonder if they're trying to like create a conservative party that will talk to them. Like they're trying to split it so that like the conservatives that are pro Ezra or like pro, you know, this far level of right will then like let Ezra be like back in the like inner circle. That's exactly what he's trying to do. I mean, like it's it's that and it just could be his like political intuitions, right? He's always been part of like the reform party and like the far right of conservatism in Canada. So he doesn't like I mean, he I remember back when the election was happening, he uh, referred to uh, the election of the leadership. He was referring to Eric O'Toole back then as a red Tory, which means he's not he's not conservative, conservative enough. He's kind of liberal. Red in the Canadian context is not communist. It's liberal, apparently. Ezra seems to really want to focus on the Epoch Times being called a uh, propagator of conspiracy theories. And so in order to highlight this, he begins to read an article in the French newspaper La Presse, which was critical of the Epoch Times. And uh, we're going to track his responses to it as we go through. So the first thing he hits is in the La Presse article, they... uh, say that, you know, Epoch Times spreads conspiracies. And Ezra spins this around by saying, what about the conspiracy that Russia stole the election from Clinton? Grant of $455,000, a helping hand from Ottawa for newspaper fun of conspiracy theories. Now, what conspiracy theories are they talking about? Is it the grand conspiracy theory unanimously promoted by the Canadian mainstream media for years that Donald Trump didn't actually win the 2016 election and that he was actually a Russian agent because that was quite a doozy and pretty much every Canadian journalist promoted it and many still do even though it's been categorically refuted by a team of Democrats led by Robert Mueller after their massive inquiry. What? (laughs) The weird thing like for me here is I mean like for one uh, Mueller was a Republican and I wouldn't really call what happened there a team of democrats but all that aside i don't i'm sure there were people out there in the world that said that russia stole the election from clinton but even from most of the like more liberal news sites that i sometimes like dip into they talked about it as russia interfered in the election which interference doesn't mean like an outright stealing of the election right yeah and that being said, like, because even some people get mad at that or they'll play like whataboutism that like America interferes in elections too. And all of that is true, but it's like, it doesn't make it any better when other people do it to America, right? It's just like, maybe, maybe no one should be interfering in anyone's elections, probably. I dream for that day. Yeah. <laughs> La Presse then states that there is some expert consensus that the Epoch Times is bad. And like, that's literally how they kind of word it. And I think Ezra is right to criticize a statement like this. The Department of Canadian Heritage last March awarded a grant of $455,000 to the Epoch Times, a publication which, according to the majority of experts, has been promoting conspiracy theories for several years and which has become a forum for the movements of the far right. Well, the Epoch Times, one of the few media outlets that is actually skeptical of communist China, for example. They're the conspiracy theorists. And I love that phrase. The majority of experts say it's being promoting conspiracy theories. Can I see that list of experts? An expert in what? An expert in what's right and wrong? 
what's reasonable or what's not, there, there's no expert in charge of that. That's each of us using our own judgment. Who is this list of experts? How many are on it? And how do we know it's a majority? And who is not part of the majority? Who thinks, like, isn't that just a lazy way of a newspaper saying, we know better than you, just trust us. And since you don't trust us, we'll say experts say, but it's really just us couching our own opinions that way. That's called an appeal to authority. You have to believe us because we're important and we're experts. It's a logical fallacy. It seemed, from my understanding of reading the article, it's, it felt more like they were saying, like, la presse as, like, as like a like stance of the newspaper is claiming that Epoch Times is bad. Like, that was what I got out of that sentence. Yeah, it's quite possible this had something to do with the translation. But Ezra goes from this to say that uh, this is an appeal to authority. It's a logical fallacy. <laughs> and uh, as someone who, who used to teach logic, it's not quite a logical fallacy. I mean, even an appeal to a, an authority is not a logical fallacy if that authority is a legitimate authority that you want to appeal to. But also this was more of like an appeal to a consensus in that, you know, if experts plural agree to something, then you're referring to the plurality of experts, which still could be wrong, but it's it's not a logical fallacy. Ezra. Okay, so pulling up the article on that, it literally quotes an expert who is a professor at uh, L'Ecole des Médias uh, at the University of Quebec in Montreal, and then says, for him, there is no doubt that this publication is a vehicle of disinformation yeah. after quoting an expert. And that's all that it says. Yeah. The article then goes on to talk about uh, the Epoch Times pushing what I will call the Obamagate conspiracy. And Ezra says that this was proven. So it's not a conspiracy theory. It's proven by leaked documents and that a member of Obama's staff was arrested. Last October, the New York Times ran a lengthy report about the newspaper's management, noting that it was one of the promoters of Spygate, a baseless conspiracy theory that Obama administration officials illegally spied on Mr. Trump's campaign in 2016. Yeah, no, that is not a conspiracy theory. That has been incontrovertibly proven true through not only declassified documents, but also by disciplinary measures taken against Obama officials who were involved in the illegal surveillance. That's not a conspiracy theory. So in case you don't uh, remember, the Obamagate conspiracy is apparently after uh, or during Trump's campaign, Obama apparently illegally spied on his campaign. That's the, the, the conspiracy theory. It turns out that what happened was the FBI got a FISA warrant to surveil someone named Carter Page, who was working for the Trump administration, or the, the Trump campaign, because he hadn't won the election yet. And what it turns out later, we came to know through an investigation that one of the uh, FBI's lawyers at one of these FISA hearings, I guess, passed off misinformation or fudged some of the, the facts to try to extend the surveillance of Carter Page. So that tells you like two interesting things. One of them is they were already surveilling legally and were allowed to surveil Carter Page. That was already allowed. He's only in trouble 
for uh, extending or, or forging or manipulating data to extend that surveillance. And it's not even clear that if he didn't do the manipulation that they would have denied the surveillance anyway. So they could have just kept spying, not spying, but like looking at Carter Page. And all that being said, an FBI lawyer is not a staff member of the Obama administration. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, the thing that I'm loving about this is what we're getting from La Presse is they're like, oh, Epoch Times peddles in conspiracy theories. And Ezra's response to most of it so far is like, those aren't conspiracy theories because I believe them. <laughs> God. So the next one is uh, Epoch's time further uh, furthered voter fraud allegations. And Ezra says there was in fact voter fraud. Um, there, there was voter fraud. How much there was is in dispute. I'll grant you that. Now, he doesn't go beyond that. And I will say for anyone who doesn't know, Vienno comes onto the live streams with me. And we watched Kian walking in downtown Toronto, trying to uh, connect the Dominion voting systems to George Soros through uh, a building connection in Toronto. <laughs> so it's like Ezra himself was one of the main propagators of these conspiracy theories and is likely going to receive a legal action by Dominion voting systems. So, Yeah, aren't they, isn't that one of those defamation cases? No, I mean, he's got so many. Uh, as far as I'm aware, now things could be happening behind the scenes that I'm not privy to. But I do know that uh, Dominion Voting Systems messaged YouTube and is preventing YouTube from deleting that content so that they have it in case they uh, proceed, which is usually the sign that you're going to eventually... Uh, file a lawsuit and rebel news was on that list and they have uh, sued for example mike lindell who's the my pillow guy he was on that list he is now currently being sued so like they're going through the motions so my guess is they're eventually going to get to uh rebel news but as far as i am aware i don't know that they've actually done it so it's a future defamation yeah. suit. it's not a current <laughs> ongoing one correct and the thing is, they like to play this game about the how much, right? How much voter fraud is going on, right? Because they'll find one case where someone like accidentally signed the wrong name or something and then make it out to be like, that's why the election was stolen from Trump. But honestly, <laughs> he lost by a lot of votes. So you're going to need a lot of people like screwing up like that in order to, to change the results of this election. And the thing is like, the way that voting works in the U.S. is so varied, state to state, and probably even county to county. Like, well, no, I mean, we even saw that with the the COVID regulations because only some people were allowed mail in, others weren't, and and all of that fun stuff. So, well, and in some states, um, if a voter like votes by mail and then dies before election day, in some states that vote is then not allowed and then in some states that vote is allowed how are you expected to like have a functioning electoral system when you can't even agree on like how to mail a letter i remember this being an issue in the pennsylvania uh, uh portion of the presidential election because they still had to go through a certain number of ballots and then it was like if a certain number of them have died then that would overturn the results or whatever but it turns out that enough people voted that 
in the end that didn't become like an issue. But that was for a while there. I remember some of the, the talking heads were a little concerned that some dead people were going to flip the results uh, <laughs> by dying in between mailing and receiving of the ballots. That country is a horror show. Well, the funny thing is, is like, well, it's not funny. It's like funny in the tragic comic comedic sense but these are like the excuses that america uses to then invade or uh claim that another country's election is fraudulent like they did in bolivia or venezuela right like these kind of discrepancies so it's like they can't even get their own shit together and that brings me back to one of my favorite tweets which was nick estes saying there will there won't be an invasion after any you know u.s electoral issues yeah. because america has already invaded and installed its ruling parties yeah. <laughs> by being a colonial state like the la Presse article then goes on to make a point about QAnon spreading lies about black lives matter and ezra just ignores uh the fact that the epoch times actually supports the QAnon movement uh, i'm not sure about a conspiracy theory with the black lives matter movement i i don't know what that is la press never tells us i don't know if they know i've never heard that as part of the QAnon uh belief system i mean the fact that the epoch times has supported and promoted the QAnon movement is kind of uh wacky and the fact that, like, Ezra himself has, has, like, come out not supporting the QAnon. Well, yeah, I mean, like, he the only time he's really covered it on the show, he said, like, well, they might be right about pedophilia. I mean, like, look at the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. But other than that... So willing to place himself alongside QAnon, but not willing to embrace it wholeheartedly so that he can distance himself later when he has to. Which is exactly what he's doing with Epoch Times now, it seems, as well. No, well, with the Epoch Times, he he actually loves the Epoch Times. That's a completely different relationship, and we'll get to it in a bit more. Oh, God. The La Presse article then gets into the point where they start talking about the Epoch Times spreading the notorious Wuhan lab theory, which is the idea that the Wuhan lab, uh, uh, virology lab in Wuhan, China, is where the virus emanated and somehow it was either leaked accidentally or intentionally and that's why we have the pandemic this has been uh discredited completely and uh we covered that in in like a show almost a year ago last april it's been completely discredited none of it makes any sense but you still have a lot of people i think i just saw a clip of uh brett weinstein talking to jordan peterson saying that the lab theory is the most credible explanation. But I have been um, tracking the lab leak hypothesis for COVID, and it is very distressing to me that as much as it's an unsettled question, the evidence for the lab leak gets stronger over time. All of the competing hypotheses fall one by one and are replaced by some alternative that hasn't yet been falsified. But that's very ominous to me. And if this is the case, if this was a, a bug that was modified in the lab. Brett Weinstein is an evolutionary biologist who should fucking know better. <laughs> like viruses evolve. Why is this so hard to understand? Oh, my God. But uh, yeah, this theory completely debunked its bullshit. And Ezra says that the Epoch Times covered this theory, but didn't come to a conclusion. And I, I read that Epoch Times story that they mentioned about the theory that the coronavirus came from the Wuhan 
Institute of Virology. It absolutely was a theory that the Epoch Times investigated. La Presse should investigate it too. Epoch Times was never conclusive about it. There are more questions than answers, um, but they talked about it like I guess La Presse is doing. So where's the scandal here? I'm, I'm still waiting for it. Ezra first covered this theory himself on the April 1st episode of his show. Tonight, did the Chinese government actually cause the coronavirus pandemic? Let me show you what two Chinese government professors say. It's April 1st, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. And he talked about it because Tucker Carlson talked about it. Then he had the Epoch Times employee Joshua Phillips on his show to talk about it because Joshua Phillips made a documentary about it called Tracking Down the Origins of the Wuhan Coronavirus. And then Ezra, later on in that week, played the documentary in its entirety on the Ezra Levant show that we cover. <laughs> Hello, my friends, and happy Passover and happy Easter to all of you. We gave our team the day off today, but we made arrangements to show you the full documentary broadcast by the Epoch Times about the true origins of the Wuhan virus. I think once you see this movie, you will call it the Wuhan virus, or perhaps what the Epoch Times itself says, the Chinese Communist Party virus or CCP virus. Earlier this week, we interviewed the host and narrator of the movie, and afterwards he gave uh, us the right to show you the whole thing behind our paywall. It's just under an hour long, so maybe pause the video, get yourself a cup of tea or something, and settle in for what I think is the most serious attempt to date to get to the bottom of this story. I'll see you on the other side. Until then, enjoy tracking down the origin of Wuhan coronavirus. So he wants to say that they covered it, but they didn't come to conclusions. He, like Ezra, pretty much, I mean, like, you can, you can couch it in these, well, like, I don't know for sure, but he was hyping this theory up. I mean, if you're going to go into that detail, like, what's what's the difference between, like, covering this and covering this and covering this, even though it's completely not backed up by any evidence? You, you know what it reminds me of? It's it's the conspiracy out that they always use, which is like, I'm just asking questions, right? So they can say, I didn't endorse this theory. I'm just asking questions. When it's like, yeah, but the problem is they're stupid questions <laughs> because they're not supported by any evidence, right? It's like a weird... It's the most like fucked up kind of both sides ism where like it's covering only the messed up side and then being like oh but like you know they're not getting their fair hearing in the quote-unquote mainstream media or whatever the liberal media establishment whatever phrase they use these days no, that's it. It's like the Epoch Times is telling this, the other side of the story that no one else is telling, right? Like, that's kind of, that's even how, like, Ezra pitches his own show. But, like, that that Epoch Times document, well, quote-unquote documentary that he had on his show, it it hosted somebody named Judy Mikovits. She was someone who believed in this Wuhan lab theory. She was in that movie called Plandemic that got, like, banned off of Facebook and YouTube she has some like weird theories that like if you wear the mask, you're actually since everyone inherently always has a coronavirus, the masks are actually causing the current disease because you're breathing in the virus over and over again. And somehow that's what's like 
wearing the mask literally activates your own virus. You're getting sick from your own reactivated coronavirus expressions. And if it happens to be SARS-CoV-2, then you've got a big problem. And, and she was someone who back in 2011 spent time in prison from stealing data from her university and was eventually let go. So... <laughs> Everybody always has coronavirus yeah. <laughs> because it's called cold and you get it because you spend too much time in cold outdoors. Checkmate, literal. <laughs> I want to say just like to end this portion of the show is that Ezra was on the side of the virus being bad crowd back in April and since then, he hasn't really talked about the Epoch Times or Joshua Phillips. And part of that is because they went from being virus bad. It was created by the Chinese. It's going to kill us all. They went from that to being like, these lockdowns are bad. The virus is, is not really that evil. People are surviving. We don't need to lock down. Right? So they had a shift in tone. And therefore, like, we haven't heard from the Epoch Times in a while. But at the beginning of this pandemic, that's all his show was about. That this virus was created by the evil Chinese and it's going to destroy all of humanity. In fact, on the April 8th show, Joshua Phillips from the Epoch Times said that the death toll from the virus in China is easily in the millions. What do you think the actual death count in China is? Because I find it hard to believe that it was as low as they say. I find it hard to credit them when they say there are no more domestic cases. It's all foreigners coming to China. Using your sources, what do you estimate the real number of Chinese fatalities is? I'd say it's easily in the millions, easily in the millions. Now, so this one is piece of evidence, a, oh, ahead, a, ter a terrible backfire in their own country. Like I, I mentioned Chernobyl before, the death count from Chernobyl was nowhere this high. Um, I mean, it was a great disruption, great economic disruption. It was a great moment of truth for the communist regime. But millions of people did not die from Chernobyl. And yet Gorbachev said it was probably the central factor for the fall of the Soviet Union. Millions dying in China. How would we be able to corroborate that? How would we be able to learn or know that? So Epoch Times, we've been, we've been making a lot of phone calls into China. We also have a lot of sources on the ground in China. Uh, you know, we're blacklisted in China, proudly blacklisted, because that means we're telling the truth about them. And of course, you tell the truth, kick you out. We actually did have an office in China early on. They arrested everyone. Our editor spent 10 years in prison and they tortured him. That's what happens when you tell the truth in China. And so when it comes to this, uh, of course, we've made phone calls into some of the funeral homes, into the cremation centers. They said they told us they were working 24-7. And even then, they, they, they did not have the capacity to cremate all the bodies. The Chinese Communist Party brought in mobile incinerators into the city. They said it was for uh, other materials. They didn't say it was for bodies. None of that is true. <laughs> I think that the, the numbers in China are in the low thousands, but how I don't know how a country nowadays could cover up a million people just disappearing. That is like, I don't, I don't think Joshua Phillips, when he made that claim, took any like moment to think about what that would actually mean. A million people just going poof and no one talking about it. No one noticing. Yeah. Just like, no, no introspection about like what that might mean in 
any context besides like, oh, China evil bad. Joshua Phillips also mentioned on Ezra's show that the Chinese are creating bioweapons that can target specific races. Uh, when you're talking about targeting with bioweapons, development of bioweapons, they, they can do that. Um, that's one of the reasons why biometrics can be such an issue. You can target, uh, you can target viruses in terms of bioweapons at specific, say, uh, races, specific traits of genes. And I have no clue how that would work, but... Uh... Horrifying. But this, this again, was all the way back in April. And so now it's weird that Ezra is like dipping his, his toes back into the Epoch Times thing. But then Ezra ends his La Presse coverage and he goes, Let's say the Epoch Times was wrong on every one of those things I just mentioned. So what? Isn't part of freedom of the press the, the right to be wrong? Isn't that part of a national discussion, figuring these things out together? And frankly, I, I think there's like a concern, especially when uh, we get... We'll get into it in a few minutes, which is their involvement with far-right neo-Nazi groups. So maybe we shouldn't let our government wage subsidy go to a movement like that. So then we get to the Friday show. That was Thursday, him going off on this La Presse article. Then on the Friday show, Ezra continues his Epoch Times coverage by bragging that a rebel news advisor, who's uh, named Larry, Larry apparently wrote an article in the Epoch Times which promotes a whole bunch of vaccine misinformation. So I'm glad to have these great allies, and we're going to add a few more. Anyways, I want to show you what Larry published in the Epoch Times. I think it's not only well-written, but it has real news in it. So Ezra on the show, so far, the way he talks about vaccines is uh, he's like, well, I'm not going to get one, but like, I'm not anti-vaccine. If you want to get one, you get one, blah, blah. But he like plays this kind of like game. Now he's promoting this article, which, like, honestly, this is anti-vaccine shit. Sorry, just before we get into, like, the actual vaccine or, like, the article aspect, what constitutes a rebel news advisor? What are they advising rebel news on? So he made it sound like they have a board of directors of some kind. I'm not sure if you know this, but rebel news is putting together an advisory board. Our longtime friend Raheel Raza is the chair of it. Barbara Santamaria, one of our most loyal supporters, is on it too. And the latest member is Larry Solomon, a columnist and philanthropist. Here's how we describe our board on our website. Rebel News Advisory Board supports the editorial and dis strategic decision-making of the Rebel News team. Board members come from a variety of backgrounds and provide guidance and constructive criticism to Rebel News management and staff. The advisory board meets formally four times a year and gives informal advice to Rebel News on a continuous basis. Maybe that's how they're getting their funding then. And that's another clue. Yeah, I don't know if it's a clue so much like why he would just say that out loud if it's like something secret to be like, yeah, my buddy Larry. <laughs> Larry. <laughs> Larry. So Larry's uh, article... <laughs> <laughs> is that <laughs> some polls have suggested that nurses are hesitant uh, about taking the vaccine. And Larry sort of like takes this point and then uses it as a jumping off point to go through all the reasons why nurses might be hesitant. So the first is uh, this claim that people with uh, the vaccine still have the virus in them. And if you say that nursing staff should get the jab to protect their patients... 
I hear you, that seems to make common sense to me, but public health experts don't actually agree with that because they say you can still carry the virus even if you yourself are inoculated against it. So, so what's the point of getting the jab if, if you're still carrying it and putting, like, I just don't understand the logic? Ezra, <laughs> the point of a vaccine is to prevent you from, like, dying from the illness and to, like, mitigate its severity. It's so it's like even if you might still like ingest the virus and it still might live within you, if you're not dying from it, then isn't the vaccine still good? No, it's still in me. Yeah. That sounds scary. I mean, but this this is what a lot of this stuff is. It's like it seems scary. And so, I mean, that's how a lot of anti-vaccine uh, propaganda works. Then this Larry person brings up the blood clotting issue. Health authorities in Denmark, Norway, and Iceland on Thursday suspended the use of AstraZeneca's COVID-19 vaccine following reports of the formation of blood clots in some people who had been vaccinated. So we'll get into like how we can tell whether or not it's safe because Ezra says we've not had enough time to see whether or not they are safe from this. But one way that you could figure this out is you, you check out blood clotting and you see what the frequency in the population is, such, and then compare that to the frequency of blood clotting between for those who have gotten the, the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And if there is uh, a discrepancy such that in the vaccine case, they have a significant increase in blood clotting, then that might tell you something. But from what I understand is at looking at the evidence, what's happening is, and this, this happens all the time with vaccines. You get a vaccine, some people get something and then they report getting the thing and then people go, oh, it was the vaccine that caused this thing. But usually what happens is you have so many people taking a vaccine that, of course, you're going to have some people several days after getting the vaccine that get ill or die of other things they would have died or gotten ill from whether or not they got the vaccine. And so the point of science is to figure out whether there actually was a causal relationship or not. And most of the time, there, there isn't a causal relationship for this. But by the time they figure that out, everyone's already panicking, and that's, like, the problem. And so you have countries, ref like, now saying that they're going to not stock this vaccine. Now, who knows? Maybe in a few days, more evidence will come in, the tides will change. But from what, what I understand, the science is still showing that it's safe. You still have the WHO. You have our own government saying it's safe, and they're scientific experts. But, like, it's clear to me that Ezra is using this and this Larry person is using this to be like, we should be freaked out when it's like, no, this is working out and this isn't going to take a long time to figure out. They could probably figure it out just by crunching numbers pretty quickly. My personal theory, um, because AstraZeneca, because the UK produced vaccine, is that it's just continental Europe being like Brexit means Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're preparing the British vaccine. Brexit means Brexit. You're not coming back yeah. <laughs> in any form. Ezra then claims that the vaccines have not been tested in a normal way. A vaccine rushed to market that hasn't been tested in a normal way. They have. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess like at the beginning of, of the vaccine trials, this was a common talking point. And, and you had like anti-vaxxers say things like it hasn't gone through animal testing trials, but uh, it didn't. It did, and uh, everything's fine. It did go through the normal way. It was just like maybe sped up a little bit. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it was done improperly. Uh, as far as I, I could tell reading the studies and from what other scientists have said, it, it seems pretty standard with how they did it, and uh, it's looking good. So that's cool. 
Ezra then says frontline workers see firsthand people who die from the vaccine. Many frontline workers see firsthand those who fall sick or die after receiving a COVID-19 vaccine, and in the absence of independent analyses, judge for themselves whether the vaccine is implicated. This is worrying to me because this is actually something that is common within the anti-vax movement, is you have a lot of general practitioners who might give a vaccine and then one of their patients will get ill. And it is, again, it's the same thing that I just mentioned, but human beings are so prone to causal reasoning that especially if you know the person and you were the one who administered the shot and then the person gets like sick, it is very hard for you to resist the idea that you giving this person the shot is what uh, uh, did not cause what they have, right? You feel like uh, like morally compelled in some way. And so it's like part of like scientific reasoning is to try to get rid of that emotional aspect of it. Because even though it seems like I gave the shot, somebody died, therefore me giving the shot caused the person's death, it's likely that I'm seeing a pattern that doesn't actually exist. And that is very hard to overcome. And it also makes it sound like people are just, the way Ezra framed this, makes it sound like people are just dropping dead from this vaccine, which is not the case. Yeah, I feel like that would be much bigger news if anybody, like, the nurse walks up to them, like, cleans their arm, sticks the needle in, presses the thing, the person just drops dead immediately. That would be all over the news everywhere. Right. I mean, because here's the thing. Most of any deaths that are happening, like even these blood clotting deaths, are happening several days after receiving the vaccine, right? And many things can happen. Like, everyone knows uh, the, the, I don't know how familiar you were with him, but Michael Brooks. I, I think he died from a blood clot. And this was before vaccines were going around. And it was just spontaneous, right? Like, I, I think people forget that, like, people are dying all the time. And it sucks. But it's like we're now vaccinating the entire world or we're going to try to, which means that a lot of people who are going to get these vaccines are going to be dying just as they would have died even if we weren't vaccinating people. Mm -hmm. And so now you have a lot of anti-vax people who are like on edge and hypervigilant and are just going to see patterns all over the fucking place. And you have to resist that. There's been that like huge right wing thing where... Like, and you've mentioned it on previous episodes before where it's like Ezra like talks shit about that guy who in the UK who like fell off a ladder and died and was later claimed as a COVID death because he had really bad COVID symptoms. And this is like, like, it's literally the case where Ezra is being like, oh, like they got the shot and then they died instantly. Like, oh, it must have been the shot where like. Yeah, it's like the opposite thing. Yeah, like it's it's what he thinks the latter death was, except it's actually true this time. Right. And, and like part of that is because you can tell Ezra's not being motivated by the science here. He's being motivated by his own desires and emotions here. Yeah. Ezra then claims that the vaccine is shown to be ineffective in Israel as patients who have received the first dose were being hospitalized with COVID infections. Israel was held up as a great example of vaccine deployment. I mean, you've all heard that, right? Israel's number one in terms of getting the vaccine out there. But did you hear this part of the Israel story? It's from a link in Larry's Epoch Times article. 4,500 people diagnosed with COVID after getting first vaccine dose. Health Ministry official warns one vaccine dose is not enough. 
to prevent COVID-19 infection as morbidity continues to rise. Hang on, morbidity, that's a fancy way of getting, I mean, getting sick. So it's rising? I thought they already vaccinated all the seniors, all the middle-aged people, but the morbidity rates are rising? The evidence that's going on there, it seems to be that the vaccine takes a while for you to build up an immunity. So as they sent the people back into the community after receiving the vaccine, there was still that two-week window that people are incubating and spreading the virus. So some people who got vaccinated became infectious and were therefore hospitalized, but not because the vaccine was ineffective, but because there's a two-week window there where the vaccine isn't as effective as it could be. So you're saying that when I get vaccinated, I can't instantly go hug and kiss everybody that I see anywhere? Well, not immediately. (laughs) Oh, okay. That sucks. You have to give it two weeks and then lick and kiss. Well, actually, you you still don't want to do that because you don't know if other people, like, you, you want to make sure that other people are safe, too, right? <laughs> we'll flash our vaccine passports at one another, and that'll be the signal. He then he then moves into a story in uh, France where a bunch of doctors all got the shots at once, and then they were scrambling to cover shifts the next day. <laughs> and, <laughs> and part of it is like, okay, yes, when you get the shot, we we know several people who have received the shot and it like knocked them out for a day because, and like I get that way when I get the flu shot, that's just a thing that happens to people yet. He makes it sound like that. That means that this shot is like terrible. And like, look, it's it knocked out this whole hospital. The adverse effects hitting healthcare workers have unexpectedly left large numbers unable to work, forcing hospitals to scramble to maintain services. In France, the safety agency advised hospitals to stagger the inoculation of team members to avoid disabling team functions. Do you understand that? So the vaccine, when every hospital nurse and other staffer takes it, it wipes out so many of the staff that it disrupts hospitals when all the nurses take it at the same time. But what they realized was maybe we shouldn't give everyone in a hospital the vaccine all at once and we should stagger it a bit so that we don't like... (laughs) Don't knock everyone off their shift from being a... Yeah. (laughs) Idiots. I don't know how common this was, but apparently it happened at a hospital. So there you go. Oh, my God. Ezra then claims that all these reports are coming from places like the Wall Street Journal and therefore are not kooky and are, in fact, real news. Hey, are you hearing about any of this on the CBC or, or, or the mainstream media? Thing is, every source that Larry has here, everything I've just read to you, is from the mainstream media itself. Wall Street Journal, huge, reputable. Reuters, other news agencies. Reuters is one of the largest news agencies in the world, one of the oldest. These are not partisan or right-wing or dissident news sources here. They're not kooky reporters. This is, this is real news. <laughs> like, so what does that make rebel news then? What? <laughs> Oh my God. He knows. Of course he knows. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Ezra that ends with a a report that uh, was released by, I think it was CBC or the AP, I can't remember. But the journal, it was to uh, teach journalists how to cover vaccines appropriately. And they point out pretty much a lot of what I just pointed out in this segment. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is why Ezra is completely full of shit. But of course, he sees a journalistic like outfit putting out this thing as them trying to spin vaccine safety. In other words, good journalism is where you fear monger about the vaccines, according to Ezra. But bad journalism is where you try to help people to be better at science reporting. <laughs> How dare they? So that was his his coverage of the Epoch Times now. And uh, I wanted to do an additional thing, which is, again, way back when this first happened in April, I did a, a, a deep dive into the Falun Gong cult, and I never got to use that on the show. So I'm going to try to go through it and uh, just highlight some of the stuff that I dug up and uh, presented to you about just how bizarre the Falun Gong movement is that is behind the Epoch Times. I am prepared to be terrified. <laughs> well, it's just, it's one of those things. Because again, I told you uh, that Ezra hasn't like disavowed or isn't distancing himself. He literally refers to, or he used to, and he still is referring to the Epoch Times as his number one source of information about China. By the way, you can read the Epoch Times online for free. You just have to register with your email. I'd also encourage you to become a paying subscriber to the print edition, which I am. It's the only print newspaper I take, actually. It's a weekly newspaper in Canada, and it is so well done. It's a great newspaper. Uh, we love the Epoch Times. You'll remember we did a show about it as recently as last night, and we've defended them because they are being deplatformed just the same way, way we are. So we stand up for them. Anyways. And he, he promotes his audience to go uh, purchase the Epoch Times. Oh, my God. And so Ezra really likes the Epoch Times. He has Gordon Chang on his show all the time, or at least he used to. He started to again. I don't think Gordon Chang actively works for uh, the Epoch Times, but he's uh, in their documentaries and, and uh, uh, appears in their media sources. And again, uh, Gordon Chang famously wrote The Coming Collapse of China back in 2001, and we're still waiting for that coming collapse as I guess it could just be endlessly coming, but never fully realizing itself. <laughs> True. So Ezra likes the Epoch Times, is what I'm saying. So let's uh, dig into what uh, <laughs> what uh, Ezra likes. And I will say, Ezra does briefly mention the Falun Gong. I should say this uh, before we get into it, because it was in the La Presse article, but he does not go into any of the details at all. He just simply argues that they're being religiously persecuted in China and leaves it at that. Founded in 2000 in the United States by Chinese Americans affiliated with the spiritual movement Falun Gong or Falun Dafa, the newspaper has been very critical of the Chinese Communist Party since its inception. Among other things, he accuses her, or it accuses, uh, this is the translation again, uh, of persecuting members of the spiritual movement in China. Are we still calling the persecution of the Falun Gong just an accusation? The press won't acknowledge it? What, what, what's going on here? I, I can't quite tell. Is the press saying that the Falun Gong people are not to be trusted or that they really are not being persecuted by China? This isn't religious bigotry from the press, is it? This isn't just Chinese Communist Party talking points from the press, is it? Falun Gong or Falun Dafa? grew out of the Qigong movements, which translates literally to life energy cultivation. The idea is that these meditative exercises have some sort of benefit to health or spiritual enlightenment, 
but claims vary across different uh, religions and practices. The Falun Gong movement borrows ideas from both Buddhist and Taoist practices of Qigong, which is represented in their own symbol, which is a picture of a, a swastika and a Taoist yin and yang symbol in a circle representing the eight spokes of a Buddhist Dharma wheel. So there's a giant swastika in the middle, and then around it is like four swastikas and four, uh, four yin-yangs, basically. The Taoist yin-yang symbol. The name... Okay. <laughs> The name Falun Gong literally translates to Dharma wheel practice. Of course, it is worth, I, I should <laughs> remind our audience because I guess you just said okay, which is that the swastika predates Nazism and the Falun Gong movement uses the left-facing swastika rather than the right-facing one that the Nazis use. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that there's any significance to that, but it's going to be super suggestive <laughs> considering some of their other beliefs. Now, like they were founded in the nineties and we'll get to that, but like they would have known about Hitler and the Nazis before choosing to use this symbol. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so you might wonder why they used it. I know a little bit about their like opinions on race. So like the okay was more about that aspect, I guess, especially with the swastika involved. Like it's a little bit, hmm. Qigong was previously suppressed within Chinese society given the communist regime's preference for non-spiritual forms of medicine, but after the 1970s when the Chinese government removed restrictions on the practice, China experienced a Qigong boom in the 80s and the 90s. Li Hongji first introduced Falun Gong in 1992, and they were quickly admitted into the CQRS, which is the China Qigong Scientific Research Society which is the government-run organization that regulated Qigong practices within the country. Falun Gong quickly became one of the largest Qigong practices, largely because Li's prices were considerably lower than other practitioners, and tensions began to grow when Li refused to be reined in by the Chinese government as other Qigong masters complained that Li was undercutting their costs. In 1996, Falun Gong left the CQRS and was no longer sanctioned by the Chinese government which would inevitably inevitably lead to some, some issues there. Mm -hmm. The late 90s uh, saw an increase in government crackdowns on Qigong, and there are many theories, some of which are not mutually exclusive, <laughs> that explain the government's shift on this issue. One is the growing rise in the millions of Qigong members, slowly becoming a challenge to the government's rule, but also their promotion of non-scientific practices that contradicted the party's Marxist ideals. Not to mention their fascistic teachings which we will go over, and which the Chinese government referred to as feudal superstitions and a natural nationalistic cultural revitalization movement. Sounds like things are going well. So, I mean, like, just to pause there, too, like, it's very easy to say that the, the Chinese government is cracking it down on these, like, this poor religious community. When it's like, what would we say about, like, the current American government cracking down on like proud boys now i'm not saying that these two things are equivalent but there's like some aspect of equivalency here where if you have a group of people promoting a fascist ideology it would be worrying would it not yeah no i wouldn't mind if the u.s would crack down a little bit harder on its fascist <laughs> movements as tensions grew lee gained permanent residency in america in 1998 in 1999, the government officially began detaining Falun Gong members who were staging demonstrations at government buildings throughout China, 
Membership of Falun Gong within China was reported to be roughly 70 million, though exact numbers differ and are hard to verify. A lot of human rights organizations in the West have criticized China's treatment of Falun Gong members, which is alleged to include the use of re-education camps, which is a common theme that we see in the uh, uh, the issue involving the, the Uyghurs. There's also been reports of torture, and most, uh, I guess, flagrant has been the, or, or most worrying has been the claim that the Chinese government has been using Falun Gong members uh, for organ harvesting. Personally, I found it, uh, I find it difficult to investigate these kinds of claims, both because of the obvious reason to want to cover up human rights abuses by the Chinese government, but also the obvious reason that Falun Gong members would want to smear the Chinese government. So you could see why there would be incentives on both sides. There seems to be at least some evidence of the use of re-education camps, as well as torture, mainly based on the testimony and evidence of physical harm uh, of those that the government has rounded up. So there has been Falun Gong members uh, documented leaving some of these facilities beaten up. However, the organ harvesting claim is much harder to investigate, considering that most of the information is presented by the Falun Gong movement and mostly has to do with a discrepancy in the number of organ donations received by the Chinese government in contrast with the number of donors. Now, this is like an error that I think is common in some countries and could just be like an actuarial problem than like actual legitimate evidence of some sort of like harvesting scheme. There's also the case of just like, you would think you would have somebody come out <laughs> and say they harvested my organs or something like this, but there's almost no evidence beyond they point to the fact that there's this weird actuarial discrepancy. The Chinese government has not tried to explain these discrepancies, which like leads into the conspiracy thinking behind it. Instead, they simply respond that they're following the WHO's guidelines for organ donations, and they leave it at that. However, again, no one credible has come forward indicating that the Chinese government has engaged in a mass organ harvesting scheme, and uh, no one has provided any credible direct evidence of such a practice occurring. So, Interesting. Falun Gong practice involves cultivating Zhen Shan Ren, which translates to truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance. And by cultivating these moral virtues, members can conform to the true nature of the universe and cure themselves of illness and gain supernatural powers. Are you excited? Okay. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> I sure hope nothing bad happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if only the supernatural powers could come without the fascism, right? <laughs> yeah, or the racism, or the... I think aliens come up <laughs> well i did mention that in the intro yeah a large part of lee's teaching is that the universe is benevolent and that over the years it has been corrupted and is now degenerate sounds familiar and therefore we need once again to conform to our natural state in the universe back to before things were corrupted hell yeah love a mythical past this has led many to remark uh on the comparison with modern apocalyptic religions, including Christian end times belief, as well as their conservative and fascistic tendencies. Listen, we're going to build a new realm. It's going <laughs> to be great. <laughs> Lee has also a lot of weird pseudoscientific beliefs, like that evolution has been proven false by anomalies in the archaeological record, or that Qigong practice 
or that through Qigong practice, a member can obtain supernatural powers by accessing higher dimensions of reality. Some of these include levitation, precognition, clairvoyance, the ability to see through walls, and the ability to change matter with your mind. Lee has claimed that there is over 10,000 supernatural abilities obtained through Falun Gong, but has not listed them anywhere. <laughs> okay, now I'm starting to be a little bit suspicious because, like, how do you have these and get persecuted by the government? Yeah, if you could see through walls. If I can levitate, nobody's getting me. If I have precog, <laughs> I already know when they're coming. I'm gone. And I'm levitating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hello? Like, 70 million people or whatever with levitation and precognition? I'll tell, like, my guess is this is gonna, I mean, you find the same thing in Scientology, because, like, a lot of Scientologists are sort of, like, given the same sort of thinking, that if, like, you obtain these levels, you get, like, the ability of, like, clear thought and all this, like, shit that isn't true, right? But the point is that, like, you you tell people that you've got to cultivate the practice to get there. And so the people who don't get there yet, it's because they, they're not doing the work they're not right so the problem is you it's not the religion that's usually how cults always do this stuff and so it forces you to keep trying harder investing more and more money and practice into doing it and of course no one's ever going to achieve levitation or clairvoyance because those are never true right they've just bought the idea through and then it becomes like a sunk cost fallacy right you've invested so much time and money to achieve these powers that like you're going to keep doing it right yeah, I can levitate. I just can't show you right now. <laughs> Some practitioners don't believe in taking medicine because Lee teaches that karma is the cause of all illness and the only way to deplete karma is through cultivation. Therefore, Qigong is the only way to really treat illness, not medicine. Beyond these, some of the more controversial teachings involve race and homosexuality. Lee teaches that aliens are promoting race mixing to destroy humanity, stating in a lecture... The way alien beings get human beings to shake free of the gods is to mix the races, causing human beings to become rootless people, just like the plant hybrids people make nowadays. South Americans, Central Americans, Mexicans, and some people in Southeast Asia, all of these races have been mixed. None of this can evade the gods' eyes. Alien beings have made rather extensive preparations for overtaking human beings. Okay, I guess we're getting into it now. This isn't just some weird claim for Lee, since he also stated that extraterrestrial beings have always interfered with human affairs. The most he concludes that most technology today was introduced by aliens as a plot to destroy humanity, and that aliens are walking among us disguised as other human beings as well. Lee also argues that homosexuality and promiscuous sex are not standards of proper human nature. Again, part of doing the Qigong practice is to achieve proper human nature. Some practitioners state publicly that homosexuals are demonic beings, while they also protest same-sex marriage in the countries that they practice in. Wonderful. They also tend to ally themselves with extreme far-right parties in almost every single country they practice, including Party for Freedom and One Nation Party out of Australia, Pegida in Germany, the Front National in France, and the far-right of America and Canada. So it's like, no wonder. I mean, like, here's the thing is like, if you already believe in all these sort of like cultural conservative pinpoints, of course, these are going to be your natural allies when you go there. And it also comes to the benefit that 
you hate uh, the Chinese government and so do the conservative movements in all these countries because of their aversion to so-called Chinese communism. Yeah. No, it checks out. The Epoch Times publishes claims about UFOs, chemtrails. They've promoted anti-Jewish conspiracy theories, which you would think, as we should know better, and general medical pseudoscience, including the anti-vaccine piece by Larry. But in the political realm, they have published articles promoting the QAnon conspiracy as well. They are against global warming, and they are really, 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 really against communism. <laughs> so you could see they're clearly not only a cult but a fascistic cult that promotes all these kind of far-right conspiracies that are themselves bad like being involved with pegida the the leader of pegida in germany which is the the main branch of pegida that they were a part of dressed up as hitler and like paraded around like this and these are the views that they don't mind associating with in fact they go out of their way to associate with these people and they're used as all these it's amazing to me how much of the sources saying bad things about china all seem to go back to the epoch times and it doesn't mean that you can have criticisms of the things that china do but you gotta like wonder if the claims coming from the epoch times to have a bit of skepticism yeah no that makes sense Clearly, they have some concerning things going on with them. Concerning is one way to put it. And I, I just want to reiterate that this is what Ezra says is his, like, chosen source of news about China. Yes, uh, Caitlin has left us, and... Passed on the torch to Vienno, and before Vienno introduces themselves, I'll just say that uh, uh, Vienno and I have been friends for a while now. We have visited many a protest together. <laughs> yep. And uh, both reside in the, the same city, uh, as well as Caitlin. And so, yeah, I thought it was a, a perfect fit. And hopefully when this pandemic is over, we can go... Back to the way that I've recorded with Caitlin, where we both record in the same room rather than over uh, over the interwebs. But uh, thank you, thank you for taking over where Caitlin left off. And uh, why don't you say say hello to the Imperial News Universe? Hello, Imperial News Extended Universe. <laughs> One day, perhaps cinematic universe. We just we start making movies. <laughs> Yeah, you just released the Twitch streams as a fully full-length feature of films. This would be boring. Documentaries. <laughs> I mean, not not to say that my material is boring. It's just like you know, they're not they're not cinematic features. <laughs> not yet, but yeah, uh, I'm Vienna. I use they them pronouns. But yeah, me and Jody met. We met. Um, we met protesting actually uh, with the student stuff in like 2018 or whatever against Doug Ford. That is true. When uh, he was proposing cuts to OSAP. And uh, and we were like, not only... And the student unions. Yes, there was the, the issues with the student unions too. And we were like, not only fuck that, but like, education should be free. <laughs> 
And so we tried to uh, at least push uh, what what movement existed in that direction as best as we could. Yeah, I'm vaguely anarchist, communist, Marxist. Like, I'm pretty willing to take from like any tradition that gets us out of the situation that we are currently in. Other than that, I can't honestly think of things to describe myself. I'm pretty bad at descriptions. You grow vegetables just like I do. <laughs> yeah, I really like gardening. Um, also, I'm Muslim, so I guess there's that. The one nice thing is, well, I mean, not necessarily nice, but both uh, Vienna and I are currently not working on a PhD. <laughs> and uh, have a bit more, uh, I guess, kind of free time on our hands more more than Caitlin did. So we'll, we'll be able to uh, participate more, in, including doing things like the proactive segment that we normally do. So I've I've handed that off to Vienna uh, in order to, to fill that in. And uh, yeah, so there will hopefully be more participation that way. But uh, yeah, I mean, like the thing is, we all hang around the same circle. So of course, we mostly agree on everything politically or else I wouldn't have invited Vienna on the show. <laughs> yeah, I think we largely agree politically. It's, you know, minute differences. It's not like the big things. Capitalism can go to hell and that's pretty good. <laughs> exactly. That's all that really matters at the end of the day. But you had something for your first, your very first, uh, I mean, I call it the proactive segment, but it's, yeah, something that you can do or good news. And uh, Vienna, take it away. There's a website called dropthecharges.ca, spelled exactly how it sounds, uh, regarding the anti-CGL pipeline, which has most notably been uh, at the Wet'suwet'en encampments. Uh, where they've faced on the RCMP and there's been a lot of like arrests and everything like that. Just to read a little bit from their own description of themselves. There are currently at least 60 people still facing serious criminal charges from the 2019 and 2020 raids on Wet'suwet'en territory and the solidarity movement known as Shutdown Canada. Dealing with criminal charges is often an isolating and scary experience, especially when the legal system intentionally tries to make people feel alone and powerless. We think a support campaign is the best way we can fight back against these forces and show the state that we will not allow our friends and comrades to be criminalized. If we can support one another now, then we can support one another in all the struggles to come. So they have a space where defendants can write about their experiment, uh, experiences with the repression that they faced and um, the legal battles that are ongoing and stuff like that. Uh, they have a space to help fundraise so that they can continue those legal battles and hopefully get off without prison time because they were rightfully protesting against a even by canadian standards illegal like invasion of a sovereign nation um, because canada doesn't have any treaty rights with the wet'suwet'en uh, they don't have like legal title to any of their lands again even by like the standpoint of the colonial Canadian system. So they're also offering a place to send letters and postcards and zines to uh, the defendants. Uh, and they're also trying to create a email campaign to pressure politicians and others to like support the drive for uh, dropping the charges of those arrested during the um, repression at Wet'suwet'en. 
so again, that's just dropthecharges.ca. It's super simple and seems like a great way to help out those who have been fighting for all of us and also for, you know, indigenous rights and for like land back and against the fossil fuel industry. Go check it out. And if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up and we'll be doing Twitch streams every Wednesday and Friday at 8 p.m. You can find all the links to our social media stuff in the show notes. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striadam.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And the Epoch Times! You canceled. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.